HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's April 4th, 4-4, 2017. Our show tonight, we've got uh, Going Up on a Tuesday, Got Your Whiskeys to Choose A. All right, good uh, good line, Hillary, thank you. Um, I'm Jimmy Carboni, all right. Woo. <laughs> Going Up on a Tuesday, Got Your Whiskeys to Choose A. I like that. Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the Good Beer Seal in New York City. We've got an interesting show here today on At Heritage Radio Network. Um, Lou Bryce and this whole show is built around you. Ah. Welcome to the show, man. <laughs> Thank you. Very good to be here. Always good you know, to be for, here. For listeners out there, if every once in a while I ask a question, I say, do you know an uh, American living beer and whiskey writer? <laughs> And everyone kind of pauses on that, but um, but yeah, that's you. You're Lou Bryson. You know what you know? they say, dead or Canadian. That's the. <laughs> but you got you got you're the editor of uh, Whiskey Advocate. I was Philly Beer Writer, Philly Beer yep. Week, and uh, you have books out now. Uh, what's what's the book? Uh, Tasting Whiskey, uh, about two years old. But you know, I was just out in uh, Minneapolis for the Whiskey on Ice Festival, and obviously, there's an untapped market. People were lining up for it. It's great. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about whiskeys and beers today, and we've got a buddy in from uh, England. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate being here. His name is? Paul Jones. I'm from Cloudwater Brewing in Manchester, England. All right. And you're here with our friend B.R. Royer from Shelton Brothers? That's right. All right. And some more folk from the world of whiskey and spirits. How you doing? I'm Harold Simino from Norman's Kill. We specialize in whiskey and grilled cheese sandwiches. Great bar in uh, Williamsburg. Yeah, man. Hi, everyone. This is Gabby. I'm from Kings County Distillery. Great. And, you know, Lou, tonight, part of the thing, we're going to Jimmy's number 43. We're going to be tasting pulled pork, biscuits. But uh, Sorry, I'm just a little <laughs> breathless from tasting some of your beer. That's, that's you like damn it. nice. Yeah, what is that? Well, we're trying to play catch up, man. You know, I mean, you, you know, a lot of uh, a lot yeah, of. Yeah, well, brews. stop running so damn hard. That's <laughs> 
God, wow. But five or six, five or six bourbons from uh, New York, including what well, we have two from Kings County. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Van Brunt. We have uh, Finger Lakes. And we have um, Hudson. Hudson, the Hudson. baby bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a good yeah. night. But uh, it was great getting you up here. Would you have an issue with the, the trains and the Jersey Transit? Yeah, the Jersey Transit thing, but it's, it wasn't that bad. It got me in a little, got here before you did, didn't I? <laughs> you took the subway. I did. I we did. got Paul Jones. So, so what, you, you, you like his beard? Luke? Yeah, yeah, this is nice. It's very nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really trying to close the gap between uh, every experience that we have that, you know, is top notch and. Uh, and that, and that wonderful old school world of traditional British brewing. So, I mean, we're unashamedly uh, a modern brewery, um, mm-hmm. and um, well, I'm glad that you're. I'm glad that you're satisfied with your first job there. Yeah, it kind of took me back. Cool. Yeah. yeah no, I noticed that, and that's um, that's very pleasing to see. <laughs> Lou, what, that's pretty obvious, was it? <laughs> Lou, what's your favorite uh, style of beer right now? Wow, you know, I still have to say my favorite style is is you know a variety of lagers because it's just. I mean, uh, I was saying earlier, my, my idea of a perfect day is like an afternoon spent drinking uh, Hellas at the Augustiner Keller in Munich. Word. Nice. Yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. But what about yeah. the other style? Oh, sorry, sorry. The new trendy style. Oh, the new trendy style. The New England IPA, the orange juice box beer. The hazies. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the thing is, now I know why, why Hetty Topper says drink it from the can, because they don't want you to look at it. I, I, but on the other hand, I mean, I live down there where Tired Hands is, and I go over, I drink their beer, I eat their bread, which they also bake there, which is awesome. Uh, but good beers, you know, they just don't, you know, you got to drink them within two weeks or so. So then, but Paul, you're here in the States. Yeah. Um, you know, are you influenced by that style? Didn't oh, you yeah. I mean, to, I think we're to we're, Boston. Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, we really specialize in that juicy, low bitterness um, IPA in the UK. Uh, it's one of the things that I think we're best known for. Um, so, uh, you know, we're not the first to, to make that style, but I'd say that largely um, we we really we really pledged our allegiance to that uh, that that way of delivering hop flavor. Uh, and it, and the really cool thing from my point of view, and I hear what you're saying about you know it can look a bit odd, yeah. um, but I can put uh, one of our double IPAs or even one of our IPAs in front of someone that's not a beer drinker as much as I can that's a hardened beer geek, and they're both going to uh, more than likely enjoy the beer. And we have that experience all the time in our tap room where someone that's like I don't really like beer, and I'm like well probably you don't like bitterness, um, and so try this. It's fruity. It's juicy. And and they drink it and they're like, this is amazing. And sure, it's 9%. It's our double IPA. It's one of the styles that we're most known for. Um, and that's really surprising for people because they didn't expect something that's hoppy all that strong uh, to, to, to be a, a kind of comp- to, to be a vessel for those flavors. I mean, you're, re- you're really out of the norm with, with a nine percenter, right? Oh, sure. I mean, in terms of, uh, in terms of our brewing heritage, I yeah. mean, you know, brewing heritage in the UK is somewhere between, you know, three and a half and 5% is where almost all traditional British uh, uh, beers are that are, that are sessionable. Um, so yeah, we're far from that, but, um, we're also far from that in terms of flavor impact. I mean, sure. You know, if we if we want you to drink uh, ten beers in a row, for sure, uh, we uh, need that ABV uh, to be lower, and we need the flavor impact to be lower, so that your palate's I, ready. I could for drink the next ten one. of these in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harold, at, at Norman Kills, I know you have like four hundred whiskeys. Um, yep. You know, do you have any beers on tap? Yeah, we have twelve drafts, and for the most part, they rotate. We have about six steady and six uh, six lines rotate, usually with styles. 
So we'll, we'll you know, tap a Pilsner behind a Pilsner, tap an IPA behind an IPA. Yeah. And then BR's here from your, your importer, Shelton Brothers. Tell us a little bit about, about um, how you guys met Cloudwater and what you're doing with them in the States. Uh, well, the, initially it was uh, Kevin, who's our UK manager, was over in Manchester at the Indie Man uh, Beer Convention with Dan um, and tried the beers and loved them and thought that this was something, you know, sort of the new wave of British brewers. And we've got our very traditional Bluebird Bitter from Coniston. Uh, we've got uh, Timothy Taylor. I love that beer. <laughs> The, so, the bluebird. So, I've been a yes. fan of that for years. Um, but you know, there's so there is so much more going on. We're working with a lot of London-based breweries. Um, but yeah, we love the stuff that Cloudwater is doing right now. We're just bringing over kegs, um, some of the IPAs, but also some of the bigger beers as they're more suitable for transport. Um, and you can try some of these next Friday the 14th at Turst. That's great. Did you guys um, have you seen a big change in, in British beer since you first started, Lou? Oh God, yeah. Um, I mean, when I first started, it was. It was really old school and nothing else. And now, you know, you've got a full range of things. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's been phenomenal how quickly the scene's changed. Uh, you, you go back, um, I think, probably about eight years, and, and really it's, it's mostly traditional and ever so slightly uh, less traditional. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember, um, do you remember Hotback Lightning? Um, oh, yeah. yeah, you remember that, sure. Vaguely, and yes. that was—I mean—that was way out of the norm. And now that's—you know—I mean, it's completely in the norm now. You know, it, it would be something that would not even be thought of as as crazy. Right. That was something that, yeah, it was all of a sudden, yeah, super hoppy. Well, for right, for exactly, rich, and yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think that's—you know—this is the exciting point that we're at right now. Is um, you know to get this experience that you're uh, shocked to, to find a British brewed yeah. IPA that's as impactful as the one that you just tried. Um, that's really exciting for us. And it's something that, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to Shelton Brothers all the time about how we change the perception of British beer. Um, it's not just that we have this wonderful heritage. I mean, that is really cool. And, and, we, and we love that. And, and we're, we only get to do uh, what, what we do today because of that. Um, but there's another side of it, too. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get the chance to show that off as much as we can in the coming years. Is anyone making a decent lager? Oh, yeah, we're making some really good lager. Yeah. Um, Thornbridge are making the best Hellas right now in the UK. A uh, good friend of mine, Alex Troncoso, down at Lost and Grounded in Bristol. Um, he's making a, a phenomenal Calipils. Uh, nice. Four Pure down in London, they're making a good craft lager. So a little bit of a modern twist. There's some really good lager happening. Okay. And that's something that's picking up a lot of pace. I have to say, you know, you were, you said you were, well, you saw my face, which sure. <laughs> unfortunately I can't really do an impression of. <laughs> I just kind of, <laughs> when I had the first sip of your beer, to be honest, I think I'd probably have the same face if I tasted a really proper bitter from an American brewery. Sure, yeah, yeah, and I can appreciate that. Well, and, but you can do that. You can go to somewhere like Smokestack Magnolia in San Francisco and drink some like absolutely on point True. British beer. True, um, and and you can pick it up uh, left, right, and center. I mean, Sean Brothers do a great job of bringing over a tr- yep. lot of traditional brands. So yeah, I mean, like the the the, the my quest at least uh, in these coming years is what can we do to showcase what else is going on in British beer? Sure, yeah. But are you kind of new to this, Paul Jones? We're two years old. Have you been brewing for a while? You know, how'd you get into this business? My co-founding partner's been brewing for nearly twenty years. Uh, so we took 
uh, that depth and breadth of experience that he had. I mean, he's come from, he came previously from a brewery that um, I think it's fair to say he had one foot in traditional beer and one foot in modern beer. So they did a really great mix of both, and they still do. Uh, they were a great brewery called Marble Brewery from Manchester. Uh, so he came to he, he finished his work there, came to came to uh, uh, talk with me uh, uh, about a new project, and uh, we really just decided to go all guns blazing on modern beer. Um, and so taking his depth and, and, and sort of length of experience uh, and bringing through as many kind of modern insights as we could possibly bring to the project, uh, yeah, puts us in the position that we're in, t- in today. Cool, man. Cheers to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, dude. What's the secret to the, the hazy New England IPA? Tastes good. <laughs> yeah, that's the big secret, right? Yeah, I mean, like, like, so it's interesting. So go back to your, your you know, your point before, Lou, about, uh, you know, drinking from the can. Um, I don't think that's true anymore. No, uh, I mean, you can, I mean, you know, we, we pour beer now um, in the UK where people are excited. Oh, my God, I can't see through it. It's amazing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can't imagine that happening some years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, um, not, it's not in proper condition. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's a funny thing. Uh, and, and I think especially in the UK where we have... Um, where we have this focus on on, on real ale still, where you know a bright beer is 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 tr- is right yeah. and, and non bright beer is wrong, um, you've got to forget about a bunch of continental styles when I say that, of course. But uh, we'll forget that uh, we'll forget that for the same for this point in time. Love but, this guy, um, <laughs> Paul Jones, John Paul Jones. <laughs> Here we go. Here he we found, go. He okay, now it. we can rags on you. Okay, so just before over at the Bart Roberta's Pizza. Uh, which actually had a couple of nice uh, Detroit whiskeys up on the bar. Yes. What were those? Uh, what was it? Johnny Smoking... T- I can't remember the name of it now. Johnny Smoking Gun? Johnny Smoking Gun, right. Which actually has an addition of tea to it. Uh, I think Lapsang Sushan tea in it. Oh, that's a great tea. To pick up like a smoky flavor. But Roberta's is like the crossroads here of like all things. And there's always some brewers. Some nice looking wines, too. Wines, right? too. Yeah. But um, uh, the guys from Arizona Wilderness were here. And apparently they know you. <laughs> well, yeah, we've definitely met a couple of times before, that's for sure. And uh, John says, he says, I'm supposed to say that your experience was it's the first time for everything, the first time in New York, first time in pizza, first time in radio, and the first time brewing. <laughs> Those guys are amazing. That's your message. <laughs> and for you guys, you know, Norman and, and Gabby, you know, you guys are t- tight in the scene in New York City, you know, whiskey and uh Tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to. You know, you got Norman Kills, 400 whiskeys. You're hanging out before with Lou. What were you guys talking about? Uh, who was paying for the round? I yeah, think yeah. was most of the... <laughs> I, uh, we, both, we both ordered a beer, and then he got up and left. So I, the bar was like, you guys together? So. Strictly coincidence. He's, a, he's a pro. you got to watch out for him. <laughs> so I said, I guess so. So I paid for it. But he, bought, he bought the second round, so it's yeah. all good. But you opened up a place in New York. It's like to me, it's like Whiskey Temple. It's also a cool place. The design's nice. Yeah, it's it's casual. It's a good. You don't see a lot of kind of neighborhood casual bars with that kind of whiskey selection, which I think is is has been doing good for us. You know, it's you can come in, wear whatever you want, and order anything from. That's what I, I, I think. That's important. The atmosphere because the other day someone said to me, said, "Oh, your place is great. It's like it's a dive bar, but it has world class beers and whiskeys." At Jimmy's number forty three, I'm like, "It's not a dive bar, right? Like it's right. got wood. It's comfortable. It's way too clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that you're trying to, you know, be an approachable place. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, we 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 opened this. Uh, me and my brother and two friends, and um, we we wanted to open a place that 
we want to hang out at. And, you know, that's, that's what we that's what we accomplished. And then, Gabby, you're, you're with Kings County Distillery. Yes. And last time we did a show about spirits, a real one, was two years ago. We had Nicole Austin, who mm-hmm. was your former yeah. distiller. Yeah, she's now at Tullamore Dew. She's oh, that's right. at that distillery yeah. there, yeah. So she's doing really re- well riding a lot of horses, so I'm hearing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she's liking it a lot. But, yeah, back to Norman's Kill, where Kings County is a huge fan. It's actually one of my neighborhood bars, so... I tried the Four Roses single barrel the other day. It was it was great. Great. But, See, I just think that's a really cool thing with, I mean, a neighborhood bar with uh, more than Jim and Jack, to be honest. You know, maybe Jim, Jack, maybe Johnny Red, and that's it. You know, it was more like a George Thorogood song than a, than a damn <laughs> bar. Um, I mean, any more, if you don't have at least, at least 20 whiskeys, you know, you're behind the curve. I mean, I remember places... The, you know what? Five years ago, they'd have I don't know fifty fifty vodkas, and now it's most, now it's whiskey. Most bars have a good whiskey selection now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard pressed not to find a good bourbon at a bar around here. Yep. Give me a quick, your quick list, like you know, five or ten essential whiskeys that you would expect to see at a, at a good bar or restaurant. I, I would expect um, at least Johnny Walker Black. Uh, you got to have a single malt, so probably. Jeez, you know, you don't want to play favorites, but I mean, I would like to see Glenn Morangy original. I'd like to see a uh, something PD. I mean, some kind of Isla. You got to have it. You got to have an Ardbeg. You got to have a Lagavulin. You got to have a Laphroaig. You got to have, you know, and um, then American whiskeys. Um, I'm going to want to see something, um, something, you know, something special, not just the usual stuff. Great, man. Hey, we're off to a great start. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, I got Lou Bryson. Howdy, howdy. Hey, buddy. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> All right. And I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, Lou. I think you might have called in one year Yeah, ago. we called in one time. I think it was on with the uh, people from Van Bergen to Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us about, so, you know, you first started out as a writer. I know you wrote for Ale Street News. Yep. You know. Uh, yeah, I wrote for Ale Street for a long time. Tell us about your early days as a beer writer. Um I mean, it, I was a librarian at the time and uh, just happened to work at a company. Um, I worked at a pharmaceutical company, a small pharmaceutical, a bunch of chemists, and chemists are always into beer. That's just how it is. A bunch of home brewers. I mean, chemists are always home brewers or drinkers or whatever. And um, I had been doing some home brewing. I'd been, uh, I'd lived out in California, gone to Sierra Nevada, gone to uh, San Francisco Brewing, gone to uh, Anchor, and... Um, I just started kind of writing about beer just on email to these guys and uh, wound up, um, one of them knew a local beer store that wanted to do a newsletter and he brought a copy of it in. He's like, you can do better than this crap. And I looked at him like, 
I, I do better than that crap. And that's how it all started. You know, it just kind of grew from there. Tony, I mean, my first assignment I got from Tony Forder for Ale Street was by mistake. He told me like three years later he meant to call somebody else, but he called me by accident. He'd got my contact information for the future. He says, I was too embarrassed to tell you, so I just go, I went ahead and assigned the story to you. <laughs> <laughs> right? so, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of grew from there. And then when I went full-time freelance... Born uh, lucky, Lou Bryson, born yeah, lucky. Yeah, baby. You know, just set me in the table with the typewriter and I'll go away. So... And then, I mean, the getting into whiskey happened in 96, 97 when the craft brewing kind of flatlined there for a while. And, um, you know, whiskey looked like there was some there was an opening there because nobody was writing about whiskey. I mean, it was Michael Jackson and that was about it. And uh, there was an opening. So I started learning about whiskey. I mean, the first thing I did, I went to Kentucky and just started drinking bourbon in every direction. And then... Uh, and then started picking up scotch, and then it was uh, Irish. And then, I mean, actually just like five years ago, I finally got to Canada and checked some distilleries, and that was that was an eye-opener. I think that's a, a really overlooked area, uh, Canadian whiskey, because we tend not to drink the good stuff here. We just drink the mixers. You know, it's like you know, there's a whole world of scotch there, and we, we're drinking Johnny Walker Red. Um, yeah, in terms yeah. of, like, you know, Making good whiskey the same as good beer. It's my understanding that in the west of Canada, they're, they're making great uh, grains and malts. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. For beer. So you think? Well, that's what I mean. I think the um, uh, the like the center point of where malt is grown in North America is like fifty miles into Canada now because they're growing so much up there. Rye. I mean, all the good rye is being grown in Canada. Alberta is just you know covered in it. Um, Alberta Distilling Limited in Calgary. They were founded in 1946 to provide a market for Alberta's rye farmers, and they make 100% rye whiskey. It's awesome stuff. And we get very little of it here except, well, Whistlepig is actually uh, mostly from Alberta Distillers Limited, which, I mean, should show you what kind of stuff they're turning out. Well, I didn't know that. And Harold, take one step back. For you, you know, a new bar opening up, I want to have 10 good whiskeys. What, what would you pick? 10 good whiskeys. I mean... You'd have to have, you know, four rows of single barrel. Four rows of single barrel would be up there. Belvinie double wood. Ooh, yeah. um, maybe a Lefroig 10 or an Ardbeg 10. Um, what do you do for, Rittenhouse. What do you do for Irish? Irish. Tullamore <laughs> Turcano. You jump in, Gabby. You, I know you're, you're like our secret uh, spirits expert over there. <laughs> I was going to say, he's got to have Kings County on Kings the bar. County. <laughs> <laughs> That's not so secret. That's <laughs> a, <laughs> what about Paul? John Paul Jones here is like, he's not on the way. Well, I mean, like, uh, you know, the Odd Big Ten would have to that would have to pip the, the Lagavulin for me. Um, Odd Big's my favorite Ida whiskey. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, All right. And back to beer. So our buddies on Untapped. Uh, what was the first beer from Cloudwater that we had? Yeah, we had our um, one of our latest IPAs, the Mosaic uh, Experimental Four Three One or HBC Four Three One. Um, yeah, six and a half percent, super juicy. A uh, little bit of dankness coming through from the Mosaic there, um, but nice low bitterness, very very crushable. And you guys are up in Manchester, England. That's correct. Yeah. Are, are there a lot of other breweries there? I think it's. Um, I think it's one of the best brewing regions in the UK, and not just because we're there. Um, I <laughs> Doesn't mean, hurt, though, right? 
Well, Thornbridge uh, and Hawkshead uh, and Marble uh, are three breweries that have been doing business in, in that part of the UK for, for years, um, joined more recently by the likes of Buxton, Magic Rock, Summer Wine, um, ourselves, and then, and then the scene just blows up from there. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on up there, and I think as a as a region in England, um, where I don't know whether we're second to London or whether we're a little bit ahead of London, but we're trying to be ahead uh, always. <laughs> and then the next beer, now we're on our second beer. We actually had another Greenpoint beer too, which uh, I'll just give a shout. It was Greenpoint Denali India Pale Ale. That was our. Now we're on our third beer. Yeah, we have uh, some Bergamo Sour. Um, so it's a, a really low ABV, three and a half percent. Um, really nice and drinkable. Tastes Ke- like lime juice. Yeah, kettle sour beer. Um, uh, uh, we put we put a lot of uh, a lot of rind um, and, and zest, I should say, from uh, from the bergamo lemons in this beer. Um, uh, so we kettle sour to get that sourness up in the first place, and we're just looking for something that's supremely drinkable. Um, you know, really refreshing uh, that really showcases that fruit flavor, um, and that's about it. Lou, when you t- tasted this beer, you didn't make any strange noises. No, I'm just thinking. I, I mean, this is a this is a deck beer for me. I, I mean, I sure. can, you know, yeah. out on the summer, yeah. I'd almost put ice in this. Yeah, get it really sure. cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's. The I have no problem beer. with that. Yeah, and for and for you at uh, at Norman's Kill, I mean, how do you pick your beers? So, or you don't pick them? I, I pick them. I actually, <laughs> I actually do the beers, and um, you know. It's it's a variation of stuff that I like that I that I've that I've drank at like Barcade or other bars and then um, and also you know representatives come in they give me samples they 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 meet up with me they tell me about new stuffs com- coming in seasonals and stuff like that so great I'm gonna get one of some questions here we don't usually ask questions but so each one of you I'm gonna ask you very briefly answer um, a place you'd like to go either a craft distiller or a craft brewery. That you've either been to or haven't been to, but a place you you like a lot that's producing either craft beer or craft distilled products. I, I would go to a bar in Kyoto called Yoramu, um, and I would ask Yoram, uh, an Israeli guy that's living out there that pours some of the best uh, small batch Nihonshu in the world, uh, wh- which which uh, sake producer I should go and hang out with for a week, and I would just go and do that. You're the real dude, man. You know, it's funny you should say it because I was thinking uh, I just want to go to every damn distiller in Japan. <laughs> I really do. Well, I, we can take that trip sometime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, those guys are freaking crazy nuts. And I don't care how big the distillery is, they're it's, they're making craft whiskey. It, it's precise for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Harold? Probably anywhere in Scotland so I could drink scotch and play golf, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You think Scotch is coming back? I, mean, I feel like it's kind of neglected. Everyone talks about bourbon, but yeah, I think I, I do think Scotch has lost some of the steam. You know, um, they were uh, they were off for a few years. They seem to be picking back up, but I'm not sure. The, the I think a lot of the problem is that I mean, people don't appreciate blends, and that's there's they, if it's a blend they think it's not as good and yeah and i think a lot of that is because american blends suck so much <laughs> i mean I, you know, I hate to be that blunt no i don't screw that um i will be that blunt but the thing is american blends aren't the same thing as scottish blends american blends are about 20 percent whiskey and about 80 percent neutral grain spirits scotch is not that it's 100 percent whiskey 
You know, it's all shit that's aged in the barrel for at least three years. It's it's good. And I, I mean, I drink a lot of blends. I drink a lot of blends. I drink a lot of blended malts. Uh, Monkey Shoulder. Just, you know, I mean, that's my go-to... The monkey Shoulder is good. Yeah, that's my BYO whiskey. When I go out, I take a bottle of Monkey Shoulder with me. And I think a lot of people assume that scotch is smoky. Yeah, which, which not so at all. N- yeah, you know, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, of, of course, there's a lot of smoky sure. scotches, but... Yeah, but I like to get a bottle, b- bottle of Glendronic and just hit him over the head with it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? you know, something like Highland Park's a great whiskey to tune people Hell yeah, into. yeah, about to, halfway. Yeah, yeah like right. really drinkable, yep. like floral. Yeah. Yep. Gabby, where should we go this weekend? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I was actually up at Hill Rock Distillery um, upstate. It, it was great. I learned a little bit about the Solera bourbon aging, so that was interesting uh, to see for sure. Um, but a little bit about, you know, the scotch and bourbon mix. We make a peated bourbon, so that's kind of mm-hmm. how I've been getting into, uh, you know, trying to trying some more scotches, uh, getting used to that peat and smokiness there as well. Yeah, actually, your ears should have been burned a little bit earlier because I was saying really nice things about your peated bourbon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I have some more for you to taste. And that's, if you're on, and that's on our tasting tonight at Jimmy's number four. Yeah, nice. You can pop. Why don't you pop one of the whiskeys too? We yeah, can talk sure. about that on yeah. and PR for you with all you know all the different breweries. I was hoping you, you were going to skip. By me because <laughs> <laughs> that is such a tough question. I mean, I gotta say, you know, like Lou, I'm I'm a fan of lagers, and and sitting whether it's Augustine or Keller or yeah. you know somewhere in in Bamberg at an outdoor beer garden in the middle of the summer. Yeah, you br- you bring in some really nice stuff from down. You there. know, and those breweries yeah. are just these fantastic small places that look like I mean they are out of you know the mid century with fantastic tiling, the open fermenters, the yeast. But I, I mean, I've seen that, but I want to go back. But there's other. I mean, I haven't oh, been no, to our no, British breweries. No. I want to go. Go back, and <laughs> go back. Um, and there's just too many places. I, I Guess where I want to go. My <laughs> favorite place in Route 84, Connecticut, Oxbow, Connecticut, OEC, the Order of Eccentric, you know, cooks. Have you been up there yet? It's owned by the son of the B United importer. So no, no yeah, I'd, I'd, OEC. Love, I'd love to check that out. Yeah, that's that's my plug. All right, so let's keep going. So we're tasting uh, your second beer. Tastes like lime juice. Um, you know, when you when you're picking beers, how, how do you? I'm, I'm just, you know, Sorry. when you're picking beers, how do how do you decide to make a style of beer? Because you guys are kind of new. You're in England. Are you mostly trying to export too? You're selling mostly. No, no, only only like uh, half a percent of what we what we've made has ever left the country. Um, we can't fill uh, fulfill demand in the UK, so um, exports really what we do when we know we're out here for an event. Um, but I mean, you know how we how we pick the styles of beer that we produce. Um, yeah, a lot of it comes down to. Uh, Sometimes a group discussion in the brewery. Uh, sometimes it comes down to an, uh, an individual's uh, experience somewhere. Sometimes uh, my experience somewhere. Um, you know, and a lot of it is to do with the ingredients that we use. Uh, you know, what's fresh and in season right now. We we don't make the same beer twice. I mean, it's very rare that we make the same beer again. Um, so we just keep turning through new recipes and variations on a the theme. Um, we're if always. You've, if you've already been, you've only been. In business, what a year and a half or two so. years? Yeah, but you've traveled. You know these places in Japan. Uh, how many years have you been traveling and, and checking out all these cool places in the world? Uh, I, I don't know, maybe twelve years. Yeah, yeah. So what were you doing before this? Uh, my background is pretty mixed. I was working in food and drink uh, for a while before uh, running a, a very small uh, uh, cafe uh, in, in the city in Manchester. Um, I have a training in music technology and audio mastering, um, but 
my wife's traveled a lot for her work and we like to we like to spend our time traveling when we can um most of that happens today around where beer events are happening um so you know almost all of my travel today is uh, to go and collaborate with someone or hang out or you know attend the crapper's conference which is what i'm in the east coast uh, for right now um and how many collaborations have you done uh, since you've been in the states or will be doing on this trip um we'll be doing four um so we worked with other half and Trillium and the Vale last week. Um, Trillium and the Vale, another half. Uh, we, we all brewed up in in Boston. We brewed with uh, with other half right when we started our trip. Um, we're going to head down the coast uh, to Philadelphia and then um, jump up to Sea Forest and Maine in Amblo. Um and then we're going to head further down and uh, brew with the Vale in Richmond, Virginia, before we head to the Craft Brewers Conference. And then hopefully things will steady steady out a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like fun, doesn't it, Lou? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and, Lou, for you, like, you know, for things like Craft Brewers Conference, I mean, are those events that you go to, do you speak at them? You know, what are some no, things of interest? No, I don't want to hear what I'm saying. Nobody wants to hear you. No, I don't want to hear that. No. no, I just, I mean, I want to go and I want to, um, I want to hear what other people are saying when they go to Craft Brewers Conference. Good. Oh, oh there Mike we go. Is, there okay, you go. Good. Mike's back on. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I really go to those things to hear what other people have to say, and then I go and tell other people what they said. And you know, I'm kind of like that—the uh, thing in Occupy with the uh, where everybody would stand up and repeat what everybody else said. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> so, that's you, you have great analogies, man. I, I, <laughs> well, you know, it's like I tell people it's what I do. I ought to be good at it. So, <laughs> so we had some beer. Now, guy, which uh, whiskey are you pouring? I'm pouring out the peated bourbon right now. So that's 70% corn and uh, a mix of 15% malted barley, 15% peated malt. Oh, my God. It's so good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I, want, I want to hear Lou's response. <laughs> he likes it. He's, putting, like he's it. putting that British IPA face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll, There's we'll just a, a lot to like about that. <laughs> we'll take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, a big shout out. Lou Howdy's here from uh, Lou Howdy Bryson. Hey, Lou. Howdy, howdy. Howdy. Hey, uh, if you're a member of Heritage Radio Network, and if you're not, join up fast because next week, Wednesday, April 12th, you can do a members-only event. Uh, one of our business members, Threes uh, Brewery, has outposts in Williamsburg, and our, our one of our top hosts, Kathy Irway, host of Eat Your Words. Uh, we'll be giving a little talk and hang out and... Uh, Books and Brews. So check it out. Join HeritageRadioNetwork.org and a lot of member benefits. So 
you guys, this is kind of cool. It's like I'm in like this in between world. You know, you get beer and, and whiskeys, and uh, I really want to hear more about Norman Kills because I do love good pubs, and and I think that if I had to go somewhere in New York where I felt comfortable and I could try a lot of whiskeys, I would go to Norman Kills. I, I want to hear more about this grilled cheese thing. The grilled right? cheeses are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So we have seven seven grilled cheeses, and that's that's the only thing we do. We serve them with a, a pickle spear, and that's the only food we do. Nice. And uh, it's just a, a sandwich press behind the bar. It's a very simple operation, yeah, yeah. but um, I, I love a great small menu. It's <laughs> yeah, it's the best. And um, and yeah, we have four hundred. We're just under four hundred whiskeys right now, but it, it always fluctuates because there's new stuff coming in, stuff coming out. So we we stay current with with you know what comes out. And then eventually we need to make decisions and we need to let, let stuff go. Basically. So are, are you are you focused on particular types of whiskey or you try to cover the... I would say I would say 50% of our whiskey sales are probably American, with, you know, bourbon or, or rye. Um, but uh, just staying current, you know, there's, there's new scotches yeah. coming out all the time, there's new whiskeys coming. And then the fall is a big whiskey season with, with all the limited releases. And luckily, we're we're on those allocation lists, so we we, we get the nice bottles, and then um, um, yeah, and then our prices are good because we're not in Manhattan. So, <laughs> what what's the typical price point that people buy whiskey at? Probably, you know, nine to fourteen, nine to thirteen dollars is probably the, the the hot zone. What do you guys think of, of a good pub? And I like I, I like beer, I like cider, I, I like whiskey. You know, I think Norman Kills is, is is a good pub to me. Why don't you guys weigh in on what you think a good pub is? And well, I think a good pub makes um, makes an entire group of people, a group of friends, um, feel like they're they're all being looked after. Um, so I think a good pub has uh, phenomenally fresh beer uh, poured through beautifully clean lines from a great cool cellar, but it also might have. Um, a short good wine list and a great spirit selection and anyone can walk in there with their family their friends get settled and hang out for the evening that for me is a good pub like it that's what makes it a no-brainer if i walk into a beer bar and i'm well served but my friend that doesn't necessarily geek out as much about beer as much as me um feels like they're getting shortchanged uh, we're going to head out at some point so i think that rounded offerings where it's at yeah I, I think too many places focus on the uh cheers on on the pint and not on the people um i really think that I and mean, Good beer is great, but beer is more about. Well, I think beer is a, a lot of it is about who you're drinking it with, and like I said, you well, no, like like you said, sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, if people don't feel comfortable there, it's not going to cut I like, it. I like drinking with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's some more things about whiskey. So. Yeah, radio studios are really pretty good pubs. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best one. Um, so I'm, I'm drinking the, this. What your next beer? What is it? A double IPA? Yeah. So this is um, this is our, our, our last version of our double IPA. We started um, uh, about 18 months ago uh, making versions of double IPA, going through lots of different production techniques, uh, ingredient combinations. Um, really looking to experiment a lot and, and importantly bring our consumers along with that experimentation to so the point of releasing a different version of our WAPA was that it was really obvious that we'd moved on and done something different. You know, this one tastes like the most to me like a double IPA. I mean, that sounds obvious, but 
Uh, I love it, man. Thank it's you really very much. Great. Yeah, the, the aroma is just phenomenal. But well, style-wise, you saw his face. Yeah, 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 it was pretty. Doesn't it kind of pop? Like, wow, this is double IP. Yeah. This is what? Yeah, not too bitter. And yet, exactly, it's not. It's not like clenching me up in the back with the I bitterness. Mean, it's, yeah, it's 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 all of that that juicy impact that you you got a lot of hops on the aroma, and now you know in the palate you're getting a lot of juicy flavors. Um, you're getting. Quite a short finish, uh, and it would mm-hmm. be nice if it was longer. And bitterness is definitely a great finish extender, but um, it's nice to to just have that kind of ro- nice. You, you know, the variation is nice. Yeah, you know, thank, thank everything you so doesn't have to linger forever. Sure, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And Harold, um, so we're at, in our good pub. So I just had this nice double IPA, and I'm drinking the peated whiskey from Kings County. What's the proper way to serve to serve that, uh, especially in context of drinking it with a beer? I mean, I, I would say the best way to serve a whiskey is however the customer wants it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of people. Cheers, David. And and here's the thing. There are whiskeys that I like neat. There are whiskeys that I like with a little bit of water or yes. an ice cube or even with club soda. And I, I limit it at club soda. Though. You know, know the, some of them, are. that's what they're designed for. That's what they're built to do. You know, I mean, some whiskeys to drink them neat is, is simply the wrong way. Because that's not how they were made. And what about you, Gabby, in the tasting room at Kings County Distillery? Right. I mean, we always say exactly what what Harold says. It's however you want to drink a whiskey is the way it should go. Um, but how do you learn? Like this, so, I mean, when you were talking about, how, say it again, how you like to serve them, Harold, the three different ways. He said neat, neat with water or with ice, and then Lou started rubbing his hands and then jumping around. He got excited. I just, you know, it's there's too much. Well, I, I can't remember who it was. I think I said it to somebody uh, when I was out in Minneapolis at the thing. I don't want to, you know, when I talk about whiskey to people, I don't want to be prescriptive and tell them this is how you need to drink it and this is what you should be tasting and this is why you should be. Bullshit. I, I just I, I want to be descriptive. I'm like, so with this, the Kings County, the peated whiskey, peated bourbon, what, what would be your preferred way right now? Uh, I mean, this. We're drinking it neat. Neat or maybe one cube. Because I really want to get the whole the whole smack of it, yeah. And then what about ice cubes? So this is a good question for you know for pub owners and things. You know, a, a friend of ours, uh, Gloria Dawson, wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal about ice cubes. And so at at my, at my place, we've made a point of you know getting our own silicone molds and making these big ice cubes that put in a glass and then you put the whiskey on top. I, I, I mean, I hate to sound like a geek, but this is, this is one of the things I will geek on. I think the wrong ice can ruin it. You know, you yeah. need to have cold ice if your ice is the, and you know, people are like, Ooh, oh, ice is cold. Yeah, but I mean, ice is, I mean, it's ice at 30 degrees Fahrenheit. It's also ice at 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and the ice at 20 degrees Fahrenheit is better. So you like cold ice? I like a cold ice. So you don't ice. want it already melting and sweating? No, no, I'll, I'll work on that my own. <laughs> but. That's, yeah, I think it's largely the same with beer dispense. I mean, if you give if you give someone a uh, you know a, a pour of beer at, um, at literally the most perfect serving temperature, uh, then it's just downhill from there. Yeah. So I mean, it's only that way for know, what five minutes. Yeah, really to cut it back a little bit uh, and allow the customer to choose. Uh, you know how long they sit with that. With uh, it's the same thing that you're talking about there. With yeah, it's like cask strength whiskey. Cask strength whiskey. You can cut it to where you want it. Yeah, you know nobody's sure. already done it. This is what I always tell the people: like, oh, you must drink it neat. Like, buddy, unless it's cask strength, someone's already put water in it. You know, yeah, so you're not. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just doing what the guys at the distillery did. And how do they do that? I mean, it's the little myths of whiskey, but I always just think, oh, the whiskey is distilled and it's aged and it comes out. So it's not well, the this, case. I mean, it goes in the, it comes off the still at one proof. It goes in the barrel at another proof. It comes out of the barrel at, at another proof. And again, unless it's being bottled at barrel strength, cask strength, it gets proofed, which is, you know, a nice word for saying we put water in it, to to yet another proof. So, um, I think the mystical process is that they really um, feel a lot of confidence and conviction the same way that uh, that you can feel confidence and conviction when you're serving whiskey to offer it up as the customer wants. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that in itself is carrying on that distiller's conviction uh, that the right way to serve the whiskey is. Uh, I mean, is they've made a person. decision. Yeah, person by person, yeah. for sure. Right. Yeah. I could agree with that. Choosing the proof of whiskey is almost like an art in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a proof by just off by one could be completely different than another. So there's a lot that goes into that as well. Well, that's what I, I mean. Wild Turkey is the one I always turn to in that Jimmy Russell insists that 101 mm-hmm. is the place it's got to be. Not 100, not 102, not 105, not 92, 101. And that's where it tastes the best. And the thing is, I mean, you don't like that? Put a little water in it. Drop a cube of ice in it. And, okay, you know, put some club soda in it. I mean, Whatever. Just drink it. <laughs> it, it, should be the, it should be the goal that it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tattoo you that like on it. my butt. Come on. So you can put ice in, in your uh, lime. What was the first, the second beer we had? The, the Bergamo Sour. Yeah, the Bergamo well, Sour. I mean, that's really good with gin. Ah, uh, see? Oh, yeah. You get a big pour of that uh, measure of gin, a little bit more of that fresh bergamot lemon, and you're set. And then for cocktails, that's something totally different. I don't want to talk about cocktails, but I like the idea of having like my whiskey with my beer. See, that's my favorite cocktail. That, yeah, maker. same beer. Yeah. That's, that's usually how I drink beer and whiskey. <laughs> but you like you, you can say you could put gin in your, in yeah, your in sour Yeah, sour, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a good move. What about for you, BR? You know... You're one of my tasting expert buddies. What for in terms of cocktails or yeah, how the, I drink my whiskey yeah. and bourbon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Well I would say I, I do agree. I, I find for, for, for bourbons and whiskeys, you know, I like I like to try them neat first just to get an yes. idea of what they are. Yeah. And then yeah, sometimes it's a little I want a little water, a little ice. And there are times where I'll drink the same one depending on how I feel with just a splash of water or an ice cube. It's like, ah oh, no, today I want this. Yep. Um I'm a big fan of, of cocktails with beer as well. I, this, I think, would be fantastic. As you say, the, the, the bergamot with a gin. I could just see that going really, really well. Um, I don't think there's anything. You know, some people are like, oh, you can't, shouldn't adulterate the beer. The beer is how it's supposed to be. Uh, but I think it's the person drinking it is how, how they want to have it. Even I've gone so far as mixing Ballantine um, with Orangina for a Ballangina, which is quite refreshing on a hot summer day. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to work with the assumption that the producer wants you to have a good time. Uh, and so however, however that manifests for you at that point in time is cool. Uh, that's what I love. I have so many scotch distillers I know have said exactly the same thing. We make it to drink. Just drink it. Yeah. However you want to drink it. And Gabby's like ready to say something. I can tell. No, I'm just listening. I'm You're enjoying listening. everybody. <laughs> you like great. it. <laughs> and if I come in, so like, one other thing about whiskey drinking, I feel like in beer now people are more experimental. They're willing to try different brands. Do you feel like when you're drinking whiskey that people kind of stick with one brand? I think that's what's fun about 
beer and whiskey is there's just so much good stuff out there that you can you can and those are the best customers they come in they ask questions and they they start with something and then they move on to something else and then whether they stay within the same category of of whiskey or they go from bourbon to scotch or anything you know and that's starting to break up now just like it did with beer i mean well beer you know 20 years ago i'm uh, this drinker i'm a that drinker i'm a Sure, it's all gone. Yeah, I feel like it's that's just going, blown it's up, and away. whiskey's going the same way. Yeah, I mean now it's totally acceptable to just, uh, you know, profess an allegiance to nice beer, right? Uh, right. <laughs> and, I like and, and, beer. and that's totally, totally <laughs> vague and woolly, but uh, but it, but it, but it also makes complete sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I want more of the Cloudwater Double IPA, please. Oh damn it! Yeah, I think Mr. I have Paul a couple Jones. more. Actually, <laughs> coming up the show, it's funny because we ran into the guy John from Arizona. Wild wilderness, wilderness. wilderness yeah. Yeah. and you guys had been hanging out at some yeah. point. Yeah, we, I know we, Justin was down there with Steal This Beer in uh, Miami. So it's great to have all these people, the world that you guys mixing together. Um, so you, you, one more thing, you're up at Trillium, yeah, uh, with uh, the Veil and yeah. other half. Yeah, tell uh, us about that because you were going back to this hazy New England style of IPA. You know, well, what, what uh, is it about that, and what is it about Trillium? Uh, well, Trillium blow me away, for sure. Uh, they make absolutely exquisite beers. They make beer that makes people lose uh, British IPA face. <laughs> <I'm gonna, laughs> that, that's it. From Yeah, so they make they make beer that just puts a smile on my face, like, time and time again. And they're not alone in, in doing that, but, but, but really, every time I've drank their beer, I've been like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and... It's just about that sensory experience. Uh, and, you know, I, I say that like um, I don't have that bias with my eyes. So my eyes don't get to win this experience because this is a flavor experience and it's an aroma experience. Um, and that's what wins. It, it's it's delightful. The amount of flavor that they manage to lock in to their beers uh, just blows me away. So, so getting to... Uh, getting to go up there, uh, you know, uh, the other half and, and the veil were, were deep in on this uh, on this collaboration with those guys. And just the fact that I was over here, um, yeah, other half kindly uh, hooked me up with uh, the chance to head up there and hang out with those guys, too. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's so inspiring to see a company that's four years in um, as Trillium are and um tackling as much as they are um i mean they're really they're putting out phenomenal beers um they're growing but their growth is not um jeopardizing the quality of their beer at all in fact it you know maybe in their eyes it's improving it as they dial everything in even more um but you know it's as a british brewer inspired by all those great experiences that i possibly can have coming here especially coming to the east coast um is like it's like going into the future um and it's so sweet to hear you say that about the east coast <laughs> well, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's i mean we you know we've got we've got great friends on on both coasts and there are a lot of people pushing super hard uh you know henry at monkish uh you know tim over at Salamaker, uh you know uh uh, Andrew down uh, at uh, Modern Times in San Diego. You know, all those brewers are pushing really, really hard um, on the West Coast too. Uh, and and that's only the half of it. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, really like coming here full stop is, uh, you know, it's like a journey into the future and it's wonderful. We're going to wrap up. Lou, uh, want to say anything else about like our tasting tonight? You know, you, I know you picked a number of the, the bourbons and 
Yeah, I think we. Um, with some I mean, I, to be honest, I'm actually really excited about the whole biscuit idea. I think this is a. Um, I mean, it's it's almost like. Um, it's American regionalism, you know. We, we the melting pot wasn't enough. Now we're going to take it and we're actually melting the pot itself and making all of America everywhere. I, I love having the idea of Southern biscuits and Southern bourbon in New York with New York biscuits and New York bourbon. That's great. And tasting whiskey, it's a great book. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming up to the show, and uh, we're gonna head over to Jimmy's number forty three in a few minutes. And you guys, Harold, uh, you gonna come with us? I will, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll stop by. And anything else? Any? What's your favorite whiskey right now? And that's a broad question, but you go, you're going to go to your place like, tonight. You feel like drinking. It's kind of like going to what we were saying earlier. It's kind of like saying, like, what's your favorite song or what's your favorite? You know, it really depends on, on how you feel. I mean, right now it's the peated bourbon the, from Kings the, County. The, right, right, right now, yeah, you're right. That's in my right mouth. Now, and I like this uh, Cloudwater Double IPA. And Gabby, uh, you know, anything else you want to say about Kings County Distillery? Um, no, it's definitely worth a visit. I think being in New York uh, really enables whiskey lovers and you know craft lovers to come over and check out the distillery. So I definitely recommend it if you haven't been. I just want to thank, uh, first of all, Heritage Radio Network for having us. But, you know, Roberta's is a great place. They, they, they do support Heritage Radio Network, too. And just coming here and seeing, oh, guys from Arizona Wilderness showing up. And Lou Bryson found his way on the subway on the L train, you know, from Penn Station. And, you know, BR, you're bringing in your, your, your English, you know, Cloudwater guys. This is a special place, and, and they're really good to us. And um, just want to give everybody a shout-out for that. And coming up with oh. buddies. <laughs> coming up of note, our event, Brisket King of NYC, is uh, April 19th. It's a pretty special event. We've got some uh, experts from Texas up. Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. And Aaron Franklin is going to be one of our judges. So check it out, briskisKingNYC.com. Uh, so, um, guys, I hate to say goodbye. We're just getting, getting to know each other and, and talk, but we'll be back uh, next week. And a uh, big thanks to Lou, Harold, Paul, and Gabby, and BR for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, our intern, Hillary Fausen, and our engineer, David Tadshore. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Yeah, yeah baby. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.